Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host Amanda and today's guest is interior designer Kim Salter of Design Thoughts Interiors. Kim has been a designer for over 15 years, working in Michigan to New York and now Nashville, Tennessee. Kim's decorating focus is about both intention and connection. Few designers approach a space in this way. Like me, Kim is all about the energy of a space and its occupants. Looking at how design can enhance a homeowner's life so they feel awesome within their home. More recently, Kim has expanded her journey into motherhood. Her son Liam, now five, is as cute as he is clever. Honoring his development, she encourages curiosity, flexibility, and lots of fun. Just log into her Instagram any day of the week and you'll find those two cohorting around Nashville. Today, Kim and I will discuss design and what it means to be intentional with our spaces, how our industry has changed and embraced a more mindful approach to decorating, and why it's important to create spaces with meaning and purpose. Plus, we'll get Kim's top tips on design when starting a new project. Hello, hello, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm super stoked. Um, we were just talking a little bit uh, before the podcast started about just the overall shift and what's going on. Um, basically, uh, you know, with everyone, I feel like everybody, mm-hmm. maybe it's just that we're attracting them, but I'm seeing a lot of it. But before we jump into all the really good, juicy stuff, Let's back up just a little bit and get a little bit of an idea of who you are and how you basically started off in design and evolved into owning your own company. Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, just like everybody else's story. It's a journey for sure. Um, But I started, um, well, really, if we go way back when I was little, I used to rake leaves into floor plants out in our yard. So it was, it was, the seed was planted way back then. Um, And then in high school, I took a vocational class in interior design. We had to fill a certain number of vocational pieces and interior design was one option. And I took it and I just fell in love and um, then went to college for it and uh, loved it in college, graduated with Bachelor of Fine Arts with an interior design major. And from there, I worked for amazing firms, um, all different levels of firms. I've worked for Fortune 500 commercial companies. I've worked for mostly um, high-end residential uh, interior design companies. And um, I was living in New York. We lived there for nine years, and I was working for an architect part-time. And uh, my husband and I had a change of heart and knew that we needed a different paced lifestyle. So we moved to Nashville. And I think it was probably two months after I was here, I knew that I would be going out on my own. So last year, I opened Design Thoughts Interiors. And here I am. There you are. And I love that you're uh, so close to me. I Um, know. When you started out, I mean, Mm -hmm. I know when I started out, I was just, you know, when I graduated from school, I just really wanted to fit in and, you know, Mm -hmm. show up early and stay late and just work my butt off to really prove uh, to my employer that, you know, I had what it, it, what it would take. Um, How, how was your vision, you know, when you first started out versus how you've really molded into this beautiful company and, and mm-hmm. authentic self, basically, of intentional yeah. designing? You know, it, it's something that I still work on, to be honest with you. In a design firm, I can't speak for all, but for most and for everyone that I was in, busy equals success. 
So putting in the late hours, crazy busy, um, having what I call now just design chaos around trying to get Mm. things done and setting unrealistic goals and not being able to reach them and then backpedaling to get done what you need to get done. Um, I realized as I got older that that is not the way I want to spend my time in my life. I have this passion for design and this passion for connecting people to space. I do not have a passion for busyness. I never have. It always felt um, really pinchy to me. It didn't feel good. Um, And it does to some people. Some people thrive in that that environment. And I just, I couldn't, I just didn't like it. So when I started my own company, it was one of my biggest goals and it still remains a goal, um, to allow ease. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. In mm -hmm. our culture, busy equals productivity. Yeah. And again, we were just talking about this, uh, before the show, but, um, it's, we don't allow ourselves that downtime. And so, we're constantly getting ourselves worked up in this froth, basically, and, mm-hmm. and sure, maybe some people do thrive in it, but mm-hmm. it, our our systems, our energetic systems are constantly on high alert. Yes. So we're not given that chance to really just go, <sighs> Yeah. like everything's going to be okay. And you're right. It's very difficult. And all of the firms that I worked at, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it was complete yeah. chaos. Shit was constantly going wrong. Mistakes yep. were being made because you're working in this high alert mode. It's like you've got the gas pedal all the way down to the floor expecting mm-hmm. no repercussions. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say it's there's been a very apparent paradigm shift with other designers that I've talked to. You know, the firms that you and I both worked for, they just didn't know any other way. That's how, you know, they began. That's how they started. That's all they knew. And I have half a notion to think that because there was so much chaos and busyness, there wasn't one second to like stop and think like there's got to be an easier way. And so, you know, moving forward with my studio, the one thing I will be honest with that I've had to work on though is, you know, declaring that I want to allow this you know, this sense of ease, but when it is easy not to take that as laziness. So it's, Mm. it's very, you know, it's a very, um, it's a practice for me. It's when things are easy, I honor it. And also, by the way, honor, there are times when we are busy. That's just, I mean, that's the nature of being in a service, um, owning your own business. There's going to be busyness, but it's not chaos. And that's the difference. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it's it's a valid point to say that it's okay to do things in a methodical, intentional mm-hmm. way so that there is ease and that you're creating more of it in the way that you run your practice. Yeah. So it's yep. it's not difficult. Like I'm I'm very methodical in how I work on my projects, how I block out my days uh, and the days that I take clients. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm very specific and, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is setting those boundaries because you're going to mm-hmm. have a client that's going to push back Yeah. and the way that, and I'm sure you experienced this in your own firms that you mm-hmm. worked for is that, you know, you just always, because the client was the customer, you just said, okay, well, mm-hmm. that was one of my non-negotiables, but I'll give it up for you because of X, Y, Z. Yes. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's almost, firms are different too, because a lot of times there are more designers available. So clients do get used to having every um, need met at a very, you know, quick pace and quick turnaround. And you're right. It's all about, you know, I can't expect to create an intentional, peaceful space for my clients if I'm not creating on my end intention and peace. So that's a big, I agree. And Mm -hmm. Gabby Bernstein, uh, Mm -hmm. I just read her her latest book, love her. Um, But one of the things that I really, really loved is about intentional writing. Mm -hmm. And it really expanded for me that she used the example of when you're trying to expand uh, into whether you're expanding your career or trying to reach out to someone and you shoot them an email if you're doing it with an energy of desperation or mm-hmm. chaos, 
the person who receives that email, even if they're not into this whole feely feely stuff, yeah, they will pick up energetically what and how the tone of that email is. Yep. Absolutely. Whoa. Yeah. Like what an aha. Like And we've experienced on the other side, you can tell when somebody quickly throws you an email. You know what I mean? I I feel like I can feel that too. Yeah. And think about projects Mm -hmm. that you in a state of chaos throw together. Yeah. And then give that to your client. And then if there's something missing or if they don't like it or if you're not quite the – you're not putting the energy forth because you're not 100% either married to it or really have your uh, intention into what the lifestyle of this client is or what you're trying to achieve, they're going to pick up on that too. Yeah, and I've experienced both ways. When I first started on my own – and I was just learning, you know, I always knew that I wanted to create intentional design, um, meaningful spaces. But when I first started out, um, I remember being in that state of chaos before I had kind of my operations in place. And all it does is creates more chaos. And then, you know, we're trying to um, make sure that the client feels at ease when we're not at ease. And it's, it's a hard battle. It's a really hard battle. I definitely have found that setting intentions in the beginning, having deep, meaningful conversations with clients in the beginning, um, and being so upfront and authentic in the beginning is the way to do it. Yeah. And I just received one of the best compliments from one of my clients, um, Mm -hmm. just before the holiday, he, Mm -hmm. um, he's a bail bondsman. And so Mm -hmm. he's in this very high, uh, stress job and, you know, millions of dollars, his dollars are Mm -hmm. at stake and he'll call me and he's a pretty calm person, Mm -hmm. but you know, he'll call me freaking out, you know, cause something he needs something or, you know, he's, he's used to being, cause he's the boss. So he's used to this level of, I need it. I need it now you know, bring it on over. So it doesn't matter what he throws at me. I'm like, okay, you know, there is a solution. I have what we need. If I don't, I will get it. Let me make some calls. Let me do this. And so he was like, you are always so calm. (laughs) Like, yeah, he's like, I'm freaking out because we need the exteriors of this house. And the contractor is freaking out on me or he doesn't have this or he doesn't handle this. And like, I'm like, it's okay. And then within an hour, I'll be like, here's this, here's this, here's this. Call this person. I'm yeah. taking care of this. <clears throat> and he's like, nothing ruffles your feathers. That's a choice, though. You make that choice. Absolutely is. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is that when I first started out in my career, I used to allow others' chaos to create drama and chaos in yes. my life. Yep. Absolutely. It's a choice to decide you can either get worked up in that froth with them or step outside of it and say, okay, let's do one thing at a time here. There is a solution, but let's do it, you know, quietly, methodically and with ease. Yeah. You know, I used to sit in a, um, in a women's circle in New York. And I remember one particular circle talking about and learning about, um, seeing things as they are. We so easily create our own chaos over things that aren't even happening yet. And like I said, I, I just it's a practice. You have to learn to make the choice. This is this is way further than just interior design and working with other people. This is in our entire lives in any situation. Making a choice. Like you can either get sucked into that chaos and that um, that not feeling good, you know, overwhelm, or you can choose to look at the situation as it is. And kind of go step by step. Okay, what's the first thing we need to do? Can I solve this myself? Do I need to ask for help? Okay, who do I need to ask? You know, just going through it as it is instead of creating these big stories that kind of, you know, just further the chaotic state. Mm, Yeah. And when I was going through um, uh, feng shui school, which they never Mm -hmm. taught this in interior design school, but one of the things that I loved is they said that what it really all comes down to is reality versus perception. Yes. So you can have literally twins 
who live in the same household and one will view their reality as my life is horrible. I have yeah. nothing. It's crazy. <clears throat> and then you can take the other twin whose life is fantastic. Life is great. I have everything that I need. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a choice. It is. And it's but all about uh, one of my favorite quotes is, um, you know, the difference between an ordeal and an adventure is attitude. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's absolutely right. It comes down to attitude. Literally everything mm -hmm. could be going wrong, but it's all in how you see it and it's the attitude that you put forth. Yep, I agree 100%. Yep. So we were talking a little bit about uh, meditation earlier, just mm -hmm. before we started the podcast, and how important it is just to kind of get centered and grounded, and, and that really helps get you in that space of ease mm -hmm. and grace that we've been talking about. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about you, and I feel like it's starting to get a little bit more popular, um, we're still not quite there, I still think that there's a lot of designers that... Um, are approaching design more from the traditional aspect of, you know, making rooms very pretty and, and mm -hmm. setting them up a certain way. But you and I really approach it through intention. Yeah. So what does intentional design mean to you? What What does that mean when you go into a space mm -hmm. uh, with this intention and design it in a certain way for what? Well, the key really <laughs> is you know, we're creating spaces for human beings, for people to live in. And that sounds a little bit funny, but the truth is a lot of firms that I've worked for were creating spaces to be published. That was the, that was the key. It was, you know, to make beautiful spaces, which of course we're drawn to, we love them. But to me, um, intentional design means, you know, using pieces that have meaning and when you do that, you create a space that you connect to. And it's not for me to connect to. It's for my client to, to connect to because that's where they need to live. It kind of, um, I feel like intentional design really allows their home to tell the many stories of their family. You know, it's like I want them to every time they walk through the door to immediately feel at ease and comforted and recognize the thought behind the things in their house. Um, and really have that sense of connection to their space. So, you know, that comes from intentionally designing for them, not for me, not for Design Thoughts Interiors, but for the people who are actually going to live there. Mm -hmm. It's a very mindful approach. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's um, my, uh, and I, I have it on my website because it blew me away. When I was going through uh, school, Mm -hmm. My instructor, Karen, said, it's all about adapting spaces with its occupants through cosmic breath. And I wow. thought, oh, wow, I love, I love that. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it is. Wow. Like yeah. that just sums it up in a sentence. Yeah. And that's yep. exactly what it is. It's all about and it I was taught this. I knew this. I've worked with a lot of really great um, feng shui designers, but the one thing that, um, you know, I was taught and I, I practiced the way that I practice um, to really hone in and harness, you know, like you were saying, a client's energy for them and their lifestyle. Right. But I didn't really get that or rather I didn't really experience it until I was going through my divorce. Mm. And How so? when I... I, I left my husband and I moved into this house and I had all of these things. Mm -hmm. I had dining table, chairs, consoles, desks, sofas, like, you right. know, the shit that fills a house. Right. And these were all very beautiful things. They were the sign of my quote unquote success mm -hmm. because I had purchased all these things with cash. I did right. it all through the success of my company and my business. Right. And early in my career, these things were very important to me. Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, I guess I had made it. I don't know. Right, right. But here I am, I'm in this house and my world is falling apart. Everything that was of comfort to me, everything that had meaning to me or security to me was gone. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm surrounded by all of these things right. that no longer serve me mm-hmm. because they are from a past life now. Yeah. And yeah. so everything had a story. Oh, I got this win. Oh, we picked this up there. Yep. And so I didn't want it in my house. Right. You don't want that story to be told anymore. Like my house, it, I felt proud because my house was pretty. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter to me. Right. I would rather have an empty house and sit on the floor than to have <laughs> right. the energy mm-hmm. of that person in my life. Yeah. And that's when, you know, I mean, I've been doing feng shui for 15 years. I've read every book on the planet. I've studied mm-hmm. with some of the best uh, instructors. And it's like, that's when it really struck me like a lightning bolt of yeah. the things that are closest to you matter most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I literally, I took photos of everything and I put it all on Craigslist and I basically put on there, I will not sell these individually. You come and you pick up everything. Oh my gosh. And I sold everything down to the silverware. Wow. Gone. That is amazing. Oh my God. It felt awesome. It felt great, right? <laughs> oh my God. It was the most... It was the most amazing and terrifying feeling of my life. Yeah. I because actually, oh, you're, I felt like I was shedding a skin and getting rid yeah. of that old life. But at the same time, I'm going, holy shit, what am I doing? Yeah. You're used to having that skin. You don't know what it's like without that skin. So it's, it's a scary process or it can be a scary process, you know, and I tell this to my clients when I'm helping them organize because that's a big part of what I do with intentional design is, as you said, getting rid of the things that no longer serve them, things that are that's creating clutter and, you know, things that really have no meaning to them at all. Um, not to say that there's not always a place for that because there are certain times where you just think something's pretty and that's okay. That's the meaning. You know what I mean? It's it's okay. Not every single piece and every single thing has to have this deep-seated story, but there are things, you know, a lot of my clients, I'll come to them and they'll have just piles of stuff that they don't know what to do with. And so it's a it's a matter of going through each thing with them. Interior design is a very intimate um, experience. Mm. It really is because yeah. We're helping people to create a space that brings them, you know, fill in the blank. Some people want a a space that helps them feel motivated or peace or whatever it is. But the key to that is they have to be vulnerable enough to open up to me and tell me what that means to them. If they want me to help them create a peaceful space, then I like have to help them understand for themselves, what does that mean? What does a peaceful space feel like to you? Because a stark white space with some leather chairs may be peaceful to one person and a cottage cabin, dark tone woods may feel peaceful to another person. So it's a really intimate and, you know, I always feel so honored when people hire me to be a part of their lives for whatever timing it is. Yeah. And that clutter, uh, I've studied, I've taken many courses from Carol Olmstead and uh-huh. um, I love, she calls clutter postponed energy. And I love that. Mm, I love that. So it's all about, you know, you hang on to it to, it's, it's comforting you in some way. Right. It's filling a void in some way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's the chaos in our lives and, you know, right. it's like, it's the, it's a, it's like the blanket. Mm-hmm. So it can be difficult to let it go. But when you do, you feel like you can breathe. Yes. And it's so, it's such a true statement to say that it's postponed energy because that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And yep. I always tell clients, it's the difference between living a lifestyle versus living in life cycles. Mm, yeah. And that's what it's about is that I've gone into homes where, and I, I teach this all the time when I do library classes is that I always tell people, you know, I'll go into a home and a client will have this old beat up dresser. It's dilapidated, falling apart. It's missing hardware. And they'll walk past it like, eh, 
we got that when we were in college. We don't really right. care for it. We don't know why we still have it, but we've uh -huh. moved it five times. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you're a surgeon and you're a psychologist. It's not a money issue here. Right. Right. So maybe let's get rid of it. Right. Yeah. Why are we hanging on to an old dilapidated dresser in your million dollar home? The funny thing is, though, is I find sometimes, not always, when you, and I'm sure you do too, when you take a second, a lot of times they'll either be like, I don't even know why we have it. Or they'll say, you know, I don't, I have no idea where to put it. It just, it meant a lot to us because fill in the blank. And then it's a question of, okay, so do we need to have it repaired and change the hardware? And how can we use it then? You know what I mean? What can we do to, to use this in your space if it has meaning? They're walking past it and they're like, I don't know why we still have it. Like, get rid of it. It no yeah, longer Yeah, I literally them. had a client that had an old IKEA particle board chest from mm -hmm. when they were in college. <laughs> and, like, because they had moved it so many times, like, the bottom yeah. was chipped, the drawers were all, like, right. wonky. And it's like, okay, yeah. let, me, let me explain a little bit about energy. Mm-hmm. And yep. let me talk about how this dresser is affecting your health. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. And so yep. sometimes an eyebrow will go up and, you know, but a lot of times, especially depending on where it is in the house and how they're using it, mm -hmm. a lot of times I can hone in on something that's going wrong in their life based on yeah. their furniture, their clutter, mm -hmm. and that's mind-blowing to them a lot of yeah. times. Yeah, I so, think. And it's, you know, it can be scary for some people, but once you have that experience and you live with the after product, the after, the room after it's been, um, you know, given some attention to, oh my gosh, the difference is so huge. It's yeah. so huge. Well, that's when that kind of the aha goes off. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, and, and I've got, um, the, uh, podcast that I was telling you about that I've got mm -hmm. coming up with Melissa Kitto. She's, she really talks a lot about how, um, basically the energy is in, in our own energy systems and how subtle things can affect us. Uh huh. And the biggest issue is, is that she's from the UK. And so she was born and raised in the UK and they're more, a spiritually connected country. Like they, uh -huh. um, it's it's not looked down upon. People are more spiritual, and they teach it in schools. She said that when she moved to the states, because she was a, a teacher, I think she used to teach first or second grade. Mm -hmm. She only made it like a year or two, and she's like, "I'm out. Like yeah. this is way too black and white for me." And this is like yes, no. And she's like, "There's no right. connectivity with children." Mm -hmm. And she would try to incorporate it, and she would get backlash from the parents. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that there's been like this underbelly of, you know, oh, that's just a bunch of hooey. That doesn't mm -hmm. exist. If I can't see it, it's not there. Right. Mm -hmm. But I always tell clients, you can't see Wi-Fi. You can't see gravity. You can't see yeah. wind. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it also is about attracting the people that you're meant to work with. Like we were talking about this a little bit earlier. You know, not everybody is going to want intentional design with meaning. And that's okay. There are other designers that do what they do and that's totally okay. There is enough for all of us. I 100% believe that. Um, but, you know, it is about being able to explain what we do, how we do it, and how it's going to benefit someone and help them understand, you know? Well, and I think that that's why what we do is so great because for those that we do attract that do, even if they don't fully understand it, they mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's more about being a guidance counselor on their own journey to mm -hmm. get them to that after so yeah. that they can feel it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've got this on my website, but it, it says we've all walked in that home that feels like a warm hug. Mm -hmm. And we've all walked in that home that makes us never want to return again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to explain it, but right. you can feel it. Yeah. Yep. So that to me is really about 
what we do. It's about creating a space that truly uplifts and supports its homeowners. Yeah. And it is about adapting the spaces with its occupants through cosmic breath. Yeah, it really is. One of the first things that I do with clients is I ask them questions about their life. Um, You know, we talk about their space and they tell me, I always ask them what feeling they hope to achieve in the space that we're looking at. And once I find that out, then we have a conversation and we talk about, oh, you want to create peace in the space. Okay, let's talk about a few times in your life that you have felt the most peace. I have one particular client. I've told this story to so many people because I think it's so important. But I had one particular client who came to me very ready, quote unquote. She had tons of pictures cut out of magazines and pulled out. She had a Pinterest board all set up. Um, for me to look at. She was very researched, knew exactly what she wanted. She wanted to create a peaceful, inviting space for um, herself and for her family. And they had a lot of social gatherings. So everything she pulled out was stark white. It was very mid-century modern. It was beautiful. And I, you know, of course I was like, it's beautiful because it was. And then I began to talk to her about um, any experiences she's had in spaces that looked like this. Has she ever stayed in a hotel that was very stark? Has she ever been in friends' homes that um, were very stark white and very... Really, when she felt the most at peace, she was surrounded by jewel tones and, and lush interiors. So I created two vision boards for her. One was the stark white using pieces that she already had um, and a few new pieces. And one was the beautiful jewel tones with luscious textures and beautiful fabric and she of course went with the jewel toned room and it was absolutely beautiful isn't that amazing and she was in like white yeah yeah because you know you look at it and it is beautiful um but after we kind of got to the root of her connection to what peace is for her it turned out to be a completely different story and so I think that's that's a really important piece of intentional design or designing with meaning is connecting to your story for the emotion that you're that you hope for in a space. Well, and having the courage to basically work with uh, your guidance in bringing that out of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a I very mean, intimate. Be, yeah, yeah, that can be a scary process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a vulnerable, you know, you have to get, be able to get to a vulnerable space and that's where trust, you know, we build trust with our clients. I mean, we're in their home. It's a very intimate process. Um, but one of the things that I think I was saying earlier is, um, helping people to connect to, you know, if they want to create a peaceful space, that's awesome. But what does peaceful mean to you? Because peaceful to one person may be the stark white and to another, it could be, you know, a beautiful cabin in the woods. So it's about tapping into your own joy, really. Well, and that's the brilliance of we all want different things. Yes. So we yep. don't all want the same things. And what you were talking about earlier is, is that we all want um, different things is the beauty of there is no such thing as competition. There is no right. such thing as, you know, having to fight it out for the, you know, that job because there's enough for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the great thing. And I will say, I don't know if you probably haven't talked about this, but you particularly just opened my eyes wide open um, when I moved here to Nashville and started my business coming from New York. You just showed me, for people who don't know and probably wouldn't know, Amanda referred one of her clients to me, and she ended up being one of my best clients last year. And in New York, that would never happen. People protect their protect their businesses like it's a closed door, and um, it really helped set me in a open, giving space that I wanted to be in. So it was beautiful, and I'll forever be thankful to you for that for showing me that you know we can, you know, all work together, and there is enough. There is. There is enough, and like we were talking about earlier, you can't be all things to everyone. No. 
And I knew that she was a great person, a great client, but I knew that I wasn't the right fit Mm -hmm. for her. Yeah. And I knew that I couldn't give her what she needed. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, I probably could have, but um, it just wasn't in a space that I could uh, really honor at that time. Right. And so because I had developed a relationship with her, I really wanted to make sure that I did refer her to somebody that I truly believed would be able to help her. Mm. And I do that with everyone that I meet. Yeah. I have designers that do not, uh, not necessarily don't accept, but aren't in the space of intentional design. They're just Mm -hmm. in traditional design where they create beautiful spaces, which I think ultimately still uplifts our spirits. Yeah, for Uh, sure. If it, you know, if it's pretty, it makes us feel good. Yeah. Um, but I have designers that I refer, I had a huge project in 2013. Um, I mean, it was like a $50,000 project Mm -hmm. and, um, the gal, uh, I met with her, I went through everything and I just did not feel like I could, um, give her what she really needed. And so I referred her to another designer here in Nashville as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I never want to leave somebody hanging. I always want to give them something so that they feel like they're taken care of. Yeah. And I think what, like what we spoke about before the podcast even began, it comes with experience, knowing exactly who your client is, who is, you know, who is, um, the person that you want to work with? Who, who can we attract that best is in alignment with the intention of our businesses? And when you know that, when you get clear on that, then it's easy. It's easy to say, you know what, we, we might not be the best fit, but I know someone who could be a good fit for you. That's why I think it's so important to, you know, have more of a conversation than just what do you want to create? Yeah, I can make your space look pretty. Let's Mm -hmm. get started versus, you know, and that's, I think you're right. I think that comes with experience. And as I've gotten older, it's no longer just about, you know, the business of things. It's really, when I go into a project, how can I transform your life? Yeah. How can I make a difference in your life going forward? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of value can I provide this client with to change their life? Mm -hmm. It's not about money. It's not about the business. It's about them and how I can ultimately, like, I love getting those stories back. I've got clients that will get back to me from two, three, four years ago. And they're still in that space of, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. every time I walk into my uh, reading room, I feel this every time I I go into this space, you know, I get this. Right. And I, I so believe like we can't, we can't create that for them on our own as designers. You know, one of the major things I do with people is talk about points of connection, pieces of, um, you know, things that they can bring into their space that remind them of stories that made them happy. Or it's actually one of my kind of top three tips is, you know, you may have lived in New York in your 20s and it was the best, one of the best times of your lives. And you're trying to create this really beautiful, stark space, say. Well, then we need to find, you know, a white ceramic Lady Liberty to put on your bookshelf. And that automatically connects you to a styling piece in your in your space. And it reminds you of that time that you loved so much in your life. I mean, those little details make a big difference in a room. They really do. Yeah, I agree. Connection. Yeah. And it's it's the equivalent of when that really awesome song comes on the radio. Yes. And you can feel it down in your bones. Such a good analogy. You want to yeah. dance to it. You want to sing along. Like mm-hmm. you feel your spirit immediately change. Yeah. Or yep. your pet. You come home and it's been a long, hectic day and shit's gone wrong. And mm-hmm. your dog or your cat comes up to you. They don't care. They're there for right. you. They love you good times and bad. Mm-hmm. And they just immediately uplift your spirit. Yeah. That's yep. what that tchotchke which to someone else might mean nothing right but to you means everything yeah I had a client years ago about five years ago who had this beautiful bookcase in her living room and she had these books that the the bindings on them were beautiful they were from the 20s but they were like a bright orange color 
and her whole home was not these colors. Mm-hmm. But I was like, without a doubt, we have to put them in this room because this is where you're going to spend the most time. Right. Yeah. And these books were hand-bound Bibles. Oh my gosh! From her father, who was oh. a pastor. Uh, and so inside of these Bibles, and she had like 20 of them, wow. were his handwritten notes oh. for the sermons that he gave. Yes. And so he had passed away. He had been killed by a drunk driver. Oh, my gosh. And so she had, like, just holding him, I could feel mm. the energy of him yeah. in these books. And I was like, I don't care that they don't coordinate with this room. <laughs> yeah. I don't care that they have nothing to do with this design. They're going to be in this room. Yeah. Because they feel so good and they yeah. meant so much to her. That yeah. to me is good design. Absolutely. And those are pieces with meaning. You know what I mean? Like, man, when you have a story connected to a piece, whether it's a f- piece of furniture, a piece of artwork, whatever it is, it just brings so much richness to a space. Mm. Yeah, it really it's, it's, it's a layer to it mm-hmm. that yep. adds to it. And then when you have, you entertain or have a party, you know, yeah. it creates conversation. That's right. And it yep. draws people in. I always tell people based on, you know, the things that you have in your home, it's a kind of a looking glass of the personality and the person that lives there. Yeah, so absolutely. So if you do have this this party, they might say, why do you got these orange books on your bookcase? <laughs> right. But then she draws them in by opening them up and she explains. Mm-hmm. And then it just takes you aback because you're now drawn into her story. Yeah. That yeah. she has in her room. I love it. Yeah, I, I do too. Mm. So That's I want to so jump into, uh, I recorded the intro to our podcast um, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and I put in there, I, I talked about Liam, and, and yeah. I said in there, you know, um, one of the things that I love about your relationship with Liam is that it's all about flexibility, adapting, yeah. and tons of fun. Yeah, it really is. Yep. And uh, I talked about, you know, how people should, should uh, follow your Instagram because you'll see oh. you two courting around Nashville. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing that I didn't know about you, which I learned a couple of days ago, was about your intention about getting pregnant. Yeah. And, um, you know, it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. But tell us about how life has changed, you know, what it was like before and now after and how he has added richness to your life and, yeah. and you know, what that's done for you as, as a human and, you know, uh, as a mom. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, there's no way to explain what parenthood feels like other than like the most love you can ever imagine times infinity. Like there's, you know, it's, it's so hard to put into words, but before I had him, we were 28 years old living in New York, you know, in and out of the city. We, my husband and I both worked in the city. I mean, it was a fast paced life that we loved. We loved it. We loved every moment of it. It was amazing. Um, and not to get into the entire story, but we struggled with infertility for years. We tried for eight years to get pregnant. Um, and finally we were aligned with the best doctors in New York and New Jersey and, um, were able to finally get pregnant. And once that happened, everything changed. The commuting in and out of the city was too much. You know, it was just, I was working for, um, Walker's Anger at the time, the high end tile company. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, by the way, just one of the best companies to work for. Um, but I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine going back to work once this little bean came to us. Like I just could not imagine it. And then he was born and, um, I, about a year into it, I started to miss being in the design world. And I was like, how could I be missing this? Like I have everything I want. I am a mom now, you know, all of this stuff. And I, um, I honored that and I began working very part-time for an architect. And, um, when you work for somebody else, you know, you're helping them create their vision of what they want to make their business. And although the, the schedule was amazing because I was a, 
you know, part-time stay-at-home mom and part-time work-away-from-home mom. The schedule was amazing. Um, It wasn't the vision for what I had for myself. I was behind a computer for eight hours a day doing AutoCAD. And it just, you know, became apparent very soon that that's just not where my happiness lies. (laughs) Um, Awesome experience, but not for me. Uh, so moving forward, when we came to Nashville and I, and I had decided that I wanted to start design thoughts interiors, I knew that I would be staying home as much as I could with Liam and working part time. And it, it became very difficult because I wanted to put in place all these standards, all these, okay, he's at, you know, a preschool on Mondays and Wednesdays. So this is what my business is going to look like. Well, it just doesn't work that way. When you're a work from home mom, things come up. And when I allowed myself to create ease and I knew that for me, balance meant flexibility. (laughs) I had to be flexible. I still had at that time, he was three and a half. Um, really when I was just starting out here, three and a half, almost four, I had to allow myself to be flexible. And that comes into creating boundaries early on with my clients. I was, I never, I was always authentic. I, my clients know that I am a mom first and I'm an interior designer second. And I have been so blessed with the clients that I have gotten that honor that beyond a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt. They understand, you know, and because of their understanding, I'm able to be more on point with them when I'm meeting with them. Um, And now Liam is in uh, Montessori school three days a week, and it's opened up so much more time for me to um, build my business even further. And next year he'll be in full-time kindergarten. So I think it's all about, um, you know, being as organized as possible but knowing that you have to be flexible when you're a work at home mom, you just, I have to be able to be flexible when things happen. So, yeah, I agree with that. And I'm not a yeah. stay at home mom. I mean, I just, I, I work from home and I'll tell you yeah. what, I block out yep. my day like nobody's business yes. and it never goes as planned ever. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, you definitely have to be flexible, but what a blessing to have struggled for eight years to want something and to be given this gift and have the opportunity to, you know, for the first couple of years, kind of work and flesh it out yeah. to figure out what it is that you really do want. You know, that's, you a, know, that's such a blessing. It is, but we had to create that opportunity. I mean, we, I, I, I'd love to say that it was just, you know, we were able to do it and it was, no, there was no struggle and no, um, you know, it was easy and the ride was awesome. And, but I get it when, when people can't make that choice. I really understand it. And I honor that choice also of having to work full time. I just literally was like, I don't care what it takes. I have to stay home with this baby. And luckily my husband was on board with that, you know? So we have made sacrifices and it was a choice to kind of create that opportunity. And I'm so glad we I'm so glad it, it's worked out the way that it has. I've been very lucky. Well, and I think that's important. You know, um, I don't know that it's necessarily a sacrifice. I, I think that, yes, there is some sacrifice involved. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, like what we were talking about earlier, is about choice. And it's also we've been built up in this culture to where we have this belief system that we have to have X, Y, Z to be an American or within our culture yeah. or to – um, match up to everyone else that's around us. And we mm-hmm. don't have to have that. We've gotten really involved in this level of consumerism and productivity yeah. and rah, rah, rah nonsense yeah. that, you know, it's not about being what everybody else is. It's about carving out what works for you. That's absolutely it. So yeah. I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily about sacrifice. It, it, you know, others may look upon you and say, oh, I could never do that. Yeah. You know, people look at me and it was a conscious decision for me to sell my car. Mm-hmm. It was a conscious decision. I originally started it out because I needed the money for my divorce. Right. But it was a conscious decision to decide I don't need another car. Right. You know, one of my big philosophies in my business is using what people have and being very 
environmentally conscious. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, uh, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast about how, you know, our culture, we've just gotten this disposable mindset mm-hmm. and how, you know, we're not willing to make those quote unquote sacrifices because we don't want to give up our lifestyle. Right. But a lot of, um, <clears throat> I just got finished reading Thomas Stanley's book, The The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's his whole philosophy yeah. is, you know, it, it's not about, you know, we often think that wealth is associated with the fancy car, the fancy house, the fancy clothes, when in actuality, that's the person that's poor. Right. You know, we're buying a bunch yeah. of things that we don't need to impress people that we don't like with money that we don't have. <laughs> right. So um, that to me is a brilliant quote from the book, but it's so true. It is. And, and I have to say, too, you know, with the mothering aspect, mothering and working, it's such a hot topic because everybody instantly gets offended or because there's oh, no matter what you choose as a mom, there's guilt associated with it. Sure. But I have one of my very best friends doesn't want to be a stay at home mom. She wants to work. You know what I mean? That's and that's what feeds her soul so she can be a better mom to her child. So. I feel like as long as, again, as long as you can tap into that intention, just like you intentionally deciding you don't need a car, tapping into the intention of what is best for the overall picture that you're involved in is the right choice. Well, and being okay with it. Yeah, that's it. I have met so much, originally, I met so much ridicule from people like, oh my God, you don't have a car. Like, are you poor? What's wrong with you? Like (laughs) questioning me. Mm-hmm. And it's so great because, you know, it's so funny what you put out, you get back in. Yeah. And I was just gifted the book, The Imperfect Environmentalist by Sarah Gilbert. Uh-huh. And it's a huge movement that's going on in L.A. where people are giving up their cars, like big celebrities that have money six times over and can buy a hundred, you know, Porsches. Mm-hmm. Yep. They are making a conscious decision to ride bikes to the studio and take the bus. Can you imagine getting on the bus with, like, Matthew McConaughey? (laughs) Right. Yes, I can. (laughs) But, like, I'm like, okay, all you ridiculers. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm from the cool kids now. Yeah, right. You know, like, I've been doing this for years. Like, so, but you have to be able to be confident enough to, Mm -hmm. to withstand the questioning and the, well, why? Mm -hmm. You know, why are you doing that? Why don't you want to work? Why would you, you know, you have to be strong in your stance and say, because this is what fits me and this fits my lifestyle. And this is what brings peace in my home. Yeah. Yeah. And I was lucky enough that I have this passion that, and I created my own business. I did that so I could do both the things that I love, which is connecting people to space and being a mom. And I've made it, you know, work. And I consciously did that. You know, how can I make this work? Well, I can work for myself. I can own my own business. And do, you know, you know be your own boss and make your own rules. Mm-hmm. That's yep. exactly why I went in for business for myself. I, I've been at this now for 11 years. And like, yeah. it, I did it dumbly. Like, you know, I just quit the job and said, I'm going to go work for myself. No mm-hmm. plan, no yeah. direction, nothing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I was tired of work. You know, I, I had literally been fired like 15 times. <laughs> and my husband at the time was like, um, you know, I'm starting to think that it's not them. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just don't work well for other people because, you know, I want to be a leader and I want to be able to come in with my own ideas. And especially the culture back then, it didn't promote that. Right. So that's the great thing about, I feel like the environment that we're in now, more of this is starting to happen. It's starting to, you're starting to see even more corporate America having a lot more flexibility Mm -hmm. and, um, that whole Kaizen, uh, or Kaizen, I think it's Mm -hmm. uh, pronounced philosophy of everybody matters and everybody gets their own input and it doesn't matter how small it is, but it makes an impact. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we are, we're approaching an hour here, um, I just want to get what your top three tips for design are when starting a project. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're, they're pretty, whether it's somebody trying to start a project on their own or if it's me starting with a client, um, it's really similar. It's the three things that I always say are 
communicate or communication, connection, and implant, implementing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So communication to me is determining what feeling you want your space to provide. So as a designer, that's what we were talking about earlier. It's having a conversation more than just like, oh, you want a pretty space? Perfect. I'll make that for you end of story. It's really sitting down. I explained to my clients, you know, part of the investment of hiring me is conversation where we literally have an entire hour and a half, typically to two hour meeting where there is no design work involved. It's all conversation. And I think that that's really important to start with that intention. You know, I want their voice to be heard. This is their space. Um, and that and, helps you to decide if it's in alignment with what you yes. can provide. Yep, absolutely. For both of us. Yeah. You know, if after that hour and a half we're not connecting, then it's not the right partnership, and that's totally okay. Yeah. It's totally okay. You know, for whatever reason we came in contact for that moment, and that moment might be the only reason, and that's okay. Um So I always, you know, want to determine the feeling that they want to achieve. And if you're doing it on your own, I think it's important to ask yourself the same questions. What do I want to feel in this space? You know, if it's your office and you want to be motivated and productive, um, you may not want serene calmness. You know, you might want brighter colors and and that type of thing. So communication is key, determining what you want the space to feel like. Um, The next one is connection, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's pulling out pieces of importance that you have connection to, whether it's telling a story, remembering a vacation that you loved, bringing out photos of people that you've had in a, you know, basket or box for years and years and years. Um, I meet with a lot of clients that tell me in-depth, you know, in-depth stories about their grandmother and how she used to make like the best mincemeat pie in one particular case and how they, you know, she was such an integral part of their childhood and their life as an adult and how much they miss them. Yet they don't have one single photograph or one single thing from their grandma out in their space and they want to create a lovely family room. Well, that's something that we can remedy pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So being conscious of connection, how can we connect you to the space you're trying to design? It's really important. Um, and the next one is implementation. And this, to me, for people not working with a designer, this can be the hardest, um, the hardest step uh, because it includes getting organized. It's so easy to get overwhelmed. You can have all these amazing ideas and even connect the dots up to like, you know, implementing it. And then when you get to that moment, you don't know what to do. So one thing that I love to help people with is to get organized and stay organized. Um, And if they're doing it on their own, I always tell them to visualize the finished product. Um, And if I'm doing it for them, I do it for them. I visualize what their finished product is going to be. And then I visualize peeling away the layers. What do we need to do first? You know, I always tell my homeowners, like, listen, if we're going to be painting your walls and replacing your your molding in here, we're not going to be putting your molding up first. You know what I mean? Step by step, how is this going to be the easiest installation and implementation that we can create? And to me, that's part of my whole package. It's part of creating ease. So the homeowner doesn't feel that chaos, you know, feel like they're in that chaotic space. And the overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelm. So communicate, connect, and implement. Those and that's part of what working with a designer does yes. benefit you is that, you know, like I know nothing about insurance and I know mm-hmm. nothing about what a doctor does, but you mm-hmm. know, like I go to them because they do know the steps and they mm-hmm. do have the expertise. And so yeah. we can help in the execution of the how. Yeah, exactly. And that's the part that can get overwhelming. Well, and well, to be a guide really quick, not to interrupt you, but to also be a guide in connecting them to what they want to achieve. So many people, you know, you've heard the old story, like, I want to be happy, but what does happy mean to you? And nobody knows the answer. Mm, Yeah, everybody. That's always the, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Well, if we really look at it, no, you want a lot more than that, which is great. Let's get detailed. Let's look at that. Let's, Let's take a magnifying glass to what peaceful means to you so I can help you create that. 
you know. And that can be scary. It can, yeah. Because yep. you're you're getting outside of your comfort zone and you're mm-hmm. you're delving into things that they may not want to discuss. Yep. Yeah. To get to that happy spot. Well, awesome. Yep. Kim, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm sorry that we had a little bit of technical difficulty, but (laughs) we got it on here. Um, If people are interested in working with you or finding more about you, how can they find you? Um, You can go to designthoughtsinteriors.com, and um, that's my website, and we connect. Um, We can connect that way. Um, On Instagram, I'm designthoughtsinteriors. Yes, go uh, there. I, I talked about it in the intro about her and Liam's cohorting around Nashville. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, or you can even give me a call at 248-854-9913. Awesome. And we can well, set something up. I, uh, I'm so glad you were on the show today. And, well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate you saying yes. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Perhaps it's the art of getting older. You know that dance of stepping out of immaturity and embracing true wisdom. But as I get older, I find myself searching for more richness in my life. That notion to look beyond the surface and behind the curtain. How can you add more ease in your life and stop creating those stories that are preventing you from having the life and career that supports your authentic self? To me, it all starts with intention and the homes we live in. That's the foundation of what feng shui really is. As the great physicist Barry Gordon stated in his description of what he thought feng shui was, it's the intelligent use of intention through environmental metaphor. Love that. So whatever that looks like for you, do more of it. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and if you like this show, subscribe on iTunes. If you have questions or comments, email me at info at or find me on Twitter at the Amanda Gates or find us online at gatesinteriordesign.com. Bye for now.